Hello, and welcome to the ARC Audio Book Club. This month, we've read the New Testament Gospels of Mark and John, which give oddly different but strangely similar accounts of a young, though for the time comparatively middle-aged, political and spiritual radical called Jesus of Nazareth. He rolls up to various towns, accruing a reputation as a healer, a teacher, and a miracle worker, and disciples along the way. But this does not go over well with the local religious bigwigs, the Pharisees, who plot with the help of the Roman administration and one of Jesus' own disciples to have him executed for blasphemy. Little do they know, however, Jesus is onto them, but has no desire to stop them, as he plans to die and then come back from the dead for the redemption of all of humanity. And on the panel this month, we have first-time ARC Audio Book Club participant Ilinka Kretzen. Hi. And, of course, returning... Siobhan Alessandro. Hello. Gio, you, you um, suggested this reading to us, and uh, would, would you, um, it's a bit outside of our usual uh, wheelhouse of modern feminist literature. Um, <laughs> so could you perhaps uh, talk about what, what your thoughts were behind this? Well, I thought it would be interesting to have a panel discussion about these texts as texts, not as the Bible. Yeah. And not as a religious uh, text, but as they are written, and of course in the translation that we've chosen. Well, the translations um, apparently we have yes. all. Yeah, right. we have three different translations, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and just talk about it, and maybe like we will come up with new things. And like I have read these texts so many times uh, because I study theology and also just for the kicks, <laughs> and uh, every time new things pop up. Like okay. this time when I read the Gospel of Mark, uh, I had not noticed there were so many boats. Like that <laughs> Gospel is all about sailing <laughs> and like road tripping. Um, so I was really curious about like what our collective brain uh, could come up with here. So it's kind of like this anti-hermeneutic thing. So it's, it's like to read it as if like this is not a puzzle to be solved. Mm. Mm. And, um, and I had hoped that for you this would be like the prima vista that you wouldn't have read this before. Mm. Uh, yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't read this before. But obviously no, so. from my childhood mm. there were a lot of these um, events which are, which are named that I was familiar with but mm. have not actually read the text before. Yeah, so I was really curious about what you guys would have to say about this. Yeah, so yeah, this actually was the first... I mean, I've, I've read like snippets before, and they've usually been from the King James's translation of the, uh, of the Bible. And this, the translation I read was the New International Version, which I do not recommend to anyone, but with the, to anyone, <laughs> really. Unless like your understanding of English is so basic that you'd be tripped up. This is, there's, it's so spare that it almost doesn't mean anything. Oh. When you read it, I, I, I would struggle to see how one could be convinced by this text. There's no uh, majesty in it. It's um, almost like a list of events which don't always make sense in their bare bones form. Mm. So I read, I think it was the New Standard International Version, um, which I think is a good version, but also it glosses over a lot. Um, like now I'm not, uh, I've read it in Greek, in both texts, in ancient Greek. And I'm not a professional or like a philologist, but to me it seems as if, especially Mark was like written by a twelve-year-old, um, <laughs> and you cannot see that mm. from the text here. This mm. English text is a lot better than the Greek is, and they have like put in and helped the text a lot and really, right. uh, yeah, glossed it over. Um, okay. So it's a, I think it's a highly biased text. Yeah, yeah. Mm. 
I read the New International Revised Version, and um, seeing that we've all read such different <laughs> um, versions, I think it's uh, I think it raises a very interesting question of what what actually did happen. I mean, who how many accounts are there, and yeah. who are you? Which which words are the ones to to believe in a sense? But that's also with the project itself, because like with you know you already have four gospels in a New Testament anyway, so you have, and they as I said in, yeah, saying in the introduction that they are oddly different, but also very much the same. The same like beats happen in the climax points mm-hmm. of the story, but the setups are different. I think Mark gives a much more interesting account of the um, of what they get called the the signs or the or the or the the, the, <laughs> the achievements of Jesus, and John just seems to plow on through to that. Those of it, you know. Mm. So I'm curious, which one did you like? Like, which one did you like better? I liked Mark better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh God, I don't know if I have a preference. Um, I think what, what I was gonna say is um, the power of the written word. Oh my God, it's uh, it's 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 ridiculous yeah. how how important this has become purely by the fact that it was written down mm. and it was it was taken and. And sort of spread like wildfire. I think I like different things uh, from the two different ones. Um, I definitely liked um, the John, um, where Jesus, like all of his "I am" statements, mm. "I am the bread of life," "I am mm. the light," blah blah blah. And what I also really liked about Mark was uh, where Jesus is on the cross and he. Um, he says, "Oh God, why have you? Why has? Why have you forsaken me? Yeah, yeah. why have you deserted me? Yeah, yeah. Because that's also interesting. Because that's like a because then um because it doesn't that does not come up in yeah. John. No, which is that you have two different Jesuses in those books, right? You have the like the very human Jesus in Mark who gets really angry at his disciples yes. and who makes a big fuss and like verbally abuses his mm. friends if they mm. are his friends, and who gets scared towards the end mm. of dying and of being crucified mm. and all that he has to go through." Um, but the uh, the Jesus of John is like this ubermensch mm. who is just like yeah. doing everything yeah. he has to because he has to and he doesn't have to tell what is, does it say one point like he didn't have to like make himself known to anyone because he knew was he knew what was inside humans. yes yes yeah. and in the end when he dies he's even like he's even fixing his family relations from the cross like mm. this is now your son this is now your mother and then boom he dies he yeah. wills himself to die yeah. um i also thought that there's quite a powerful passage in uh john eighteen thirty six, where he starts talking about how uh, my kingdom is not of this world if it were my servants would fight to prevent my arrest from the, by the jewish leaders but my kingdom is of another place and then this is when he's talking to Pilate, and Pilate says, you are a king then. And Jesus answers, you say I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and come to this world is to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Retorted Pilate. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and there's something just really, there's something really, like you say, the kind of Ubermensch style thing of like, he just so rejects the possibility of saving his life because the life is so meaningless to him. Mm-hmm. that it's so much about somewhere else. Yeah, and uh, there are these figures in the Gospel of John of like, I am the bread of life, right? So there's bread and there's bread, and there's light and there's light. And there are all the mm. times these double things. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And the hour and there's time. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, my time has not come. Mm. 
yeah, but also he obviously knows what's going to happen. And I think that's a very interesting narrative technique mm. um, used because we, we, we read um, that Jesus knows that he's going to be betrayed. So in no way is the reader of the gospel sort of kept in suspense about, ooh, what's going to happen yeah, 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 yeah. at the end? Yeah. We sort of expect um, the event to happen. What's well, also interesting because the entire thing is prophesized. It's mm. a prophesized series of things, which I also want to talk about that a bit later with the performativity of the prophecy. And Jan is spoiling everything in the beginning, right? He came to what was his own and his own people did not accept him. Mm. Okay, I don't have to read further from this. <laughs> know what's going to happen. No, uh, but then, um, then he goes through all the things that he achieved while he was alive. And I thought it was really interesting in Mark was the way that this is obviously written for an audience that was not really um, media trained. Because, <laughs> be, but like, like, so you start off by feeding the 5,000 mm -hmm. and then the next time you feed people, it's 4,000. Yeah. You, you'd want to escalate that. Mm -hmm. And his disciples don't know, like, what are we going to do? How can you do that? Well, you just did it. You just witnessed that he did it like mm -hmm. three pages ago. Yeah, yeah, Why yeah. are you asking his disciples and Mark are so stupid? <laughs> <laughs> but they're, they're also quite stupid in John. Yeah. Like, like this, this is the thing which got this really through me was in the, in the Last Supper when, um, you know, as it's been sh like beyond foreshadowing, like just literally said, you know, every time Judas, who would betray him? Who mm, would betray mm, him? Mm, who would, like, mm, I, mm. And then Jesus, of course, reinforcing this by saying to all the disciples, one of you will betray me, which I think, um, I think really undermines group solidarity. Yeah. Um, and, and but then when it comes to the point in the Last Supper where he gets the bread and he says, who I, give the, who I give this piece of bread to will be the one that betrays me. He says it to the room of the disciples and then he gives it to Judas and then Judas leaves and then it says the disciples did not know what that meant. They no, thought, because they thought that he left because he had some he had some money to give to the poor. Yeah, but then he just like, but what? But he just said. This is ridiculous. And <laughs> I think, I think it, one thing that struck me so much and I was laughing um, was that every time Jesus said something, um, the Jews and his disciples were like, what does he mean by, <laughs> you know, I am the, you know, bread of life. What does he mean when he says he's but the son of God? What does he mean by this? That is also a problematic thing because I think a lot of uh, confusions could have been avoided. Um, mm. And especially in John, it starts out with John, uh, the Baptist, who, like, they are coming to him in the desert and they're asking him, who are you? And he gives them these really cryptic answers, which is, <laughs> like, not a very yeah. polite thing to do. And it starts out, yeah, like, for example, in the Gospel of John, all the dialogues are so strange. Yeah. And, yeah. It, it, like, everything could have gone smoother, I feel, <laughs> for everyone. Absolutely. Like, um <laughs> Because if he had to die all along, then I mean, make yeah. the best of it. Another or, another point that if it's a, a theological necessity for Judas to die, how how is that a betrayal? Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but that is a huge point uh, yeah. because of course Judas was necessary. Yeah, and like we sh all the good Christians should name their kids after him, right? Yeah, yeah, because and also I don't understand the motivations for Judas here. Like in Mark, it mentions he gets possessed by the devil. Mm -hmm. which I think really is not on Judas. Unless, of course, you can only be possessed by the devil if you're already bad. I don't know how that works. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he was chosen, right? Yeah. He was chosen for this mission. Um, I, I, mean, I think maybe the, the betrayal fits in with the... I mean, this is a, this is the hero's journey. This is mm -hmm. what yeah. Joseph Campbell is talking about. This is 
this is typical, you know, there's this guy who's been given this mission and he has mm. to go on this mission and, you know, he goes through obstacles, but he sort of makes it through. Mm. Um, and he has this mentor, which in this case is God. Mm. And there must be a betrayal at some point because mm. otherwise it would not be interesting. <laughs> yeah. But isn't it amazing because, I mean, now I'm again back to the Gospel of John, but it comes to both of them. It seems as if it was written by a 12-year-old and self-published. <laughs> and jokes on us because it is the most published book now. Yeah. And that gives me hope. <laughs> But then also, like, you feel like it's difficult because it's also written for an audience that isn't reading books. Like, it, it's an archetypical story which then becomes the basis of a culture which then creates, like, the Joseph Campbell story cycle, as you're saying. It's kind of also like, you know, just like constant reinforcement of Judas who would betray him. Um, and then like ridiculous extraneous details, especially in John of like, which was near Galilee, just in like an extra, <laughs> a, like a really annoying addition to a sentence that was very clearly over. And that reading uh, the Gospel of Mark, uh, yeah, this time gave me a feeling of like, this is a road trip, but it's without all the cool <laughs> things that make me want to go on a road trip. <laughs> but he's always going somewhere. Like he has a dialogue and he says something and then he moved on to uh, a new city. I mean, I kind of like, I, I got far more of the dramatic structure in Mark than I did in John. Mm -hmm. John seems to be like, um, like someone had a really crazy few weeks and then tries to give an account of it to the police. <laughs> and Mark is like, going down like no this is the stuff that happened this is the stuff that he did this is why it's important yeah because he's helping our dumb asses get into gear on this stuff have you noticed how in mark um every time sort of jesus says something he he has this like warning what i'm about to tell you is true <laughs> um this is you know it's very trump isn't it <laughs> yes <laughs> It's like, True that. do not question <laughs> what I'm about to say. Believe me. Believe me. <laughs> But these texts were not, there weren't books at the time. So these, yeah. were, these were meant to be read out in churches mm -hmm. and they were meant to be for the poor people. Doesn't, um, doesn't Jesus uh, and Mark, doesn't he have like a moment where he says that rich people are... Are, are, it's easier it's, for a camel to get through a needle than yes. it is for a rich person to get into heaven. It's also the nice thing where he says, where the guy says, I've lived a whole life without sin. And then Jesus says, in that case, give everything, give away everything you own to the poor and mm -mm. live in quiet reflection. And he goes, oh, I won't do that. Mm -mm. Of course and, you won't. Well, and it's, like, it's like also like that kind of ridiculous catch-22 of situations. Like, I've not done any of the sins. <laughs> How about the platinum plan? <laughs> <laughs> but I think yeah of course that highlights that his other sin is his um, inability to love his neighbor right yeah. which is yeah which apparently this is also where no. like hell really gets introduced oh wow like a, like a, it's not like a big thing in the old testament no but there was the um, there was the Sheol which right. was the underworld kind of like Hades okay and over time it became more and more individualized and it was like sort of like A waiting room, but it also had um, pedagogical effects yeah. uh, or merits. Um, so, yeah, the motive was known. Okay, good. But, I mean, this is... Um, I always had a strange relationship between, between God and the devil. Like, they're enemies but friends who work together on some project. I'm, I'm, I'm also a little bit confused about that. 
do, do you have an answer? Is, is that no, a, I don't know. Is that, um, is, is, that a, is that a debate that's ongoing? I actually don't know. What I found really interesting is that uh, in Mark, when he was expelling the devils out, he uh, Jesus asked the devils not to mention his name. That he, like, yeah, and that's in Mark, and that's called the Messiah's secret. Okay, uh, which is a strange thing. Uh, and some theorists have argued that he didn't see himself as the Messiah uh, because he didn't want it mm. to be known. But then he changes at some point and um, he, he, is, he, com- he, he performs a miracle and then he's okay with, okay, you can go and, and, you can go and tell people. Mm. Mm. But then he goes back to, like, the devils must not spread the word that I am the Messiah. Which is so weird. Is it because he he keeps talking about this, my time has not come? Yeah, yeah. It seems like, he, not just that he has to die, but at the precise right moment. Mm. Which apparently is Easter. What, why? Um, in my <coughs> translation, when Jesus is on the cross and he's... Uh, in which one? And this is in Mark, when he's talking about... Um, uh, when, he, when, he, when he starts saying, what, why, God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. For some reason it gives the, what I assume is the Eritrean, not Eritrean, the uh, Aramaic. Is it a Hebrew? No, like, it's Aramaic. Aramaic. Aloy, Aloy, Lema, Sabachthani. Mm-hmm. Sabachthani. Why, why, why is that the only sentence, like, like one of the only sentences quote, quoted? There's in? also Talita Kump, right? Yeah, there's like um, t- two examples, but I don't know why those are left in the original. Like, it seems really strange and arbitrary. But isn't it because this is written to the, to the Gentiles, and he has to translate it so they know what it says. Okay, so he's addressing it to the Gentiles, so he's not saying it in Hebrew. I think so, it. and I, yes, I think so. I'm pretty sure. I mean, the Gospel of Mark is widely believed to be the first of the Gospels. Okay. The shortest. Uh, the Gospel of John is believed to be the last. I think that Mark is addressed to the Gentiles. That's really interesting because I read John as it, and it, it's read to me like. Um, I'm missing something. I read that first, and I was like, "I'm, I'm definitely missing stuff here. I yeah. don't know what's going on." And it did, and so it does read like there's a, meant to be a lot of prior stuff going on. Whereas when you read Mark, it's much clearer and explained. Yeah, mm. but it's also like um, I don't know. It becomes sort of like the tagline, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it, Eloi, Eloi, Lema mm. Sabachthani. Mm. Everybody sort of knows that, right? Mm. And it's become like McDonald's. I'm loving it. <laughs> oh yeah, does people it, know that? Uh, like in, in, the, in the Aramaic, or just like the phrase in English? Uh, well, I was familiar with the one in Aramaic, okay. but I guess mm-hmm. even the yeah, I think in, in even in English or in every mm. other tra- every other translation, mm. it's become a little catchphrase. Can we talk about the weird things? For I mean, a while? like, I mean, what is not weird about this? <laughs> How about chapter fourteen? In, what did you guys think? In Chapter in Mark? 14 in Mark, verse 51, when they're in the garden and he's being arrested. There are the parallel stories, right? It's also in John, which is equally weird. And they're weird in two different ways. Um, so 51 in Mark says, a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Which is so strange. And in mine it says, a certain young man was following him, wearing nothing but a lining cloth. They caught hold of him, but he left the lining cloth and ran off naked. And what, 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 what passage is a it A certain young man. A certain young man. I mean, that, you can see the value of like reducing the specificity of the translation, because 
That is very confusing as a sentence. Like, just a young man, weird thing to happen. Certain young man. <laughs> and then, but the same story in John. Well, it's well, in uh, eight, 18... Um, it's in 1811, which um, Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into your sheath. It, is Peter walking around with a sword? Isn't he a poor fisherman? Why is he armed? Well, this is also is like, he like a I gangster? Mean, I mean, there's like, prior to this, there's like the whole and thing. And it's also a little bit like from the podcast called My Dad Wrote a Porno, right? There's <laughs> that scene where um, she's walking around in a labyrinth and she's talking to a guy and suddenly, suddenly you hear that he was wearing nothing but a red thong, <laughs> like, which he had apparently done for the entire time. Wasn't there previously there's, there's a mention of like... Um, like it's really and it's really clumsily introduced, at least in mine, which is like where uh, he gets the sword yeah, out. Then and then Simon says like, Peter, who had a sword, drew it, stuck the yeah. high priest slave, cut off his right ear. Yeah. Has he been walking around with a sword this entire time? Well, I mean, like, there's isn't a, that strange? He's a poor guy. He's following this. It might not freak. be a very good sword. It might just be he like can cut off an ear. Maybe he's That's afraid. Okay. He's afraid. He has this. You know, he's yeah. got this mentor guy uh, who keeps saying. Guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna die, but don't worry, everything's gonna be cool. I'm gonna die really soon, but don't worry, everything's gonna be cool. So I think if you've been walking around with him for a few years, then you're like fucked up now. Yeah, like yeah. your trust in people and like the future and everything yeah, yeah, yeah. is and not like, as it ought to be. Also like, so like you you're ammoing yourself. And you're like like you don't know whether to believe him, but like whenever he says trust me, and then he like makes a, a blind person able to see, you go like. I don't know if I can not trust him. Because... Um, with their own spit, may I add. I was oh, so yeah. grossed out by that. <laughs> and that's the only time, and it's in both of them, right? Because mm. he's been healing by hand and mm. words, and mm. suddenly he's mm. doing this weird shamanic ritual yeah. where he's putting mud on him, on his eyes, and spitting. Yeah. And, yeah. and then there's the halfway. Like, in one of them, he doesn't do... In one of the healings, he stops too fast, so the guy can. He's asking the guy who's blind, "What can you see?" And he's like, "Yeah, I can see sort of like trees walking around." And then he heals him again, and he finishes it, <laughs> so that the guy can actually see. I also love the part when uh, when there's this woman, and she she goes, "Oh my god, if only I could touch Jesus's cloth, I'll yeah. be cured." And then she does that, and then who touched me? Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> is, it says something like, um, "Jesus felt the power go away from him." Excuse me, from your cloth, how is your cloth containing your so-called power? I mean, it could happen to anyone. <laughs> Magical cloth. But yeah, I mean, there's, um, that's the strange thing about when this is written as well, because you're talking about, you know, there's, there's a limited imagination of what's possible in it. It's like, mm -hmm. even their imagination of what a god is, is someone who has to heal the person twice to get it finished. <laughs> <laughs> like... Like the person who's created all of existence is now like channeling through this this son of man and 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 you know even that power has to go like oh, just don't want to overheal you so I'm just gonna take it in two bursts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that raises you know the the question of in, in so many moments does Jesus say oh you know there's no difference between God and I mm -hmm. like I am God God is me in a sense but then we you know, in Mark at the end, we see that he calls out for God. So that means that God is not within him. Like God, he is, he is obviously like the son of God. He's mm. not God. Mm. So, you know, is he, is he human? Is he, is he just a crazy anarchist? Is yeah. he, you know. But then there are all the weird things that Jesus says and like he, he's divine, right? Yeah. 
Well, he could say other things, like he could say, or he could like not say, "I am the bread that came down from heaven." <laughs> it's like the kid that is sitting in the sandbox and just like eating also, worms. Also, know your audience. <laughs> like yeah. you can't say like your human foibles are unimportant to a deity that commands the entire universe. So you say, "I am the bread that came down from heaven," <laughs> because. No wonder I... Peter is buying weapons. <laughs> <laughs> I am the gate for the sheep. Wow, that I got a little bit annoyed at. Because, <laughs> like everybody must follow me blindly. Everybody yeah. must and, yeah, and accept the... this. Do not. What I'm about to say is true. I was also annoyed that he um, eliminates the uh, capacity for divorce in the culture. Mm. In in Mark, I believe, mm-hmm. where he just says, um, "No, just just power on through." Uh, don't 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 ever come apart from each other, which is interesting because then you kind of get this sort of you know gesture towards this, the future kind of Spinozan readings of things where you go everything is one and you shouldn't be splitting things apart or maybe you don't get it from that. But um, I thought it, this weird intervention of the bunch of celibate men into uh, into marital relations was a, stra- a strange a strange change of tone, a very technical change of tone as well. Mm-hmm. The rest of it's all been kind of vague things like throw seeds everywhere. If you uh, kill a guy's family, he probably won't leave all his stuff to you. But on the, on the question of divorce, that should not be a thing anymore. Odd change of ch- tone there. Odd change of tone throughout the entire thing. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he never once talks about... Because marriage, I think, in those times was a very, very different ordeal than mm. it is nowadays when the word love uh, really mm. makes a huge part of what a marriage is. But mm. I think in those times... That wasn't really the case. Very practical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did, there were some moments where I was like, go Jesus, yeah. I think in general I was like, you know, I, I felt pretty down on the Pharisees throughout. I thought the most interesting thing was when he said that uh, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for Absolutely, Sabbath. Absolutely, I was just about to say that. Um, but there was also that point with the uncleanliness in Mark 7. Um so what makes a person unclean is the evil thoughts that come from the inside, from a person's heart. Mm. Um, and I I agree with that, but mainly because I was taught that, right? Mm. So this is like my, mm. probably my Christian upbringing. See, that's the thing. I, I, I completely, like from my perspective, that makes, that's a, it's a ridiculous statement to make. Like that there, that, that, that there would be, a, that there's in, the, the badness or whatever kind of social ill is from inside. Like the inside is like always interacting with the outside. So I think it, it's, it, it speaks to a, a world of, um, of essences, of souls that are corruptible, which is just not how I... I read it more as in, um, you know, maybe um, damaging uh, thinking patterns that you might mm-hmm. find yourself in. Um, yeah. And also when you when you uncleanliness, I mean mm. that's that's a that's a ridiculous word, but may, mm. maybe um, something that damages you by over overthinking or yeah. by doing that can also damage mm. others. Mm. So that's why I don't know. Yeah, but I think yeah, I just think that there's a there's a relationship to the outside in it, which I think he's glossing over in pursuit of uh, a being which is definable to a kind of singular bit at the core, which I don't. I don't buy, but that's about those. I'm really also really confused about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, that's... 
I'm confused about the demons and like the <laughs> demonology that is yeah. uh, implicit because, for example, in Mark 5, when he is giving the demons permission, uh, there's this guy who's called Legion because we are many. Um, Which I thought like, oh, that's where this is from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he is giving the demons, begging him not to send them into another country. <laughs> what the fuck is up with these <laughs> demons who don't want to live in another country? Um, so he's giving them permission to go into the swines <laughs> and then the swines uh, go crazy cliff. because they are demon possessed. demon possessed. So they run um, out over the hill and down and they drown like uh, mm-hmm. lots of swine. What happens to the demons then? Do they die with the swine? Or are mm-hmm. they just like up for grabs now? I mean, I would say that this entire reading experience has been, you know, they say how, how specificity is the soul of narrative. Mm. No, that's not that's not here because it, it it's there's so little detail there's so little um internal consistency going on mm-hmm. but also like it sets itself up in in this in the way that you know when things are like they they, they set it sets itself up to like its flaws are also the requirements for its own logic you know it's like you must believe mm-hmm. you can't um it can't all be given to you but mm-hmm. I'm really fa- fascinated with the view of uh, of the demons here right because they sound like Nice. Sound okay. Like, they're begging Jesus not earnestly. They're begging him earnestly not to send them out of the country. <laughs> I thought <laughs> demons didn't care, but apparently they do. What are they? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going insane. But this speaks very much to, like, the, the audience that it's written for, the the world in which it exists. It, like, it, it's one where, like, the idea of a country could be the end of the world. You know, it's like... It's a place you've only, like, past the border is a place you've only heard stories about and they weren't always good stories. And so you but can't imagine the, you can't imagine beings that would transcend that. No, but the ultimate evils could be beings that could be outside the country's borders too, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, like, but you only have so much capacity in this kind of imaginative framework. So, like, you have God that can see all the stuff. Mm. But, like, you know, maybe demons... Maybe like within the country, like there's places you don't go, but the demons wouldn't go outside the country. They go everywhere in the country, but like they wouldn't go outside it. Mm. Or, like maybe they're like it, I think there's just like there's so many bits where you just so I'm just so aware that this is someone. This is written for a group of people who are looking at a, a life of incredibly warm weathered toil, suffering, unexplainable diseases, and then it being over before it even really began. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was appalled at at um, the failed um, miracle that uh, Jesus had uh, with the epileptic kid. What I would read as an epileptic yeah. child, um, and after the you know the session, the like. <laughs> I guess we could say session. Session. Which um, never sounds like a good thing. Mark twenty eight goes. Jesus went indoors. Then his disciples asked him in private, "Why couldn't we drive out the evil spirit?" Um, Mark nine twenty nine. He replied, "This kind can only come out only through prayer." Yeah, mm. this kind of ridiculous taxonomy of demons. Yeah. Okay, so you are the son of God. You've performed all these other miracles, but this one particularly, ooh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. It's not really an answer, but he's not really good on answers, <laughs> all in all. And people keep asking him. He's going to vague proclamations about seeds. I think I want to talk a little bit about this notion of love. Mm. I can't remember exactly where it was, uh, where basically he quotes the Beatles. And basically says that love is all you need. 
in uh, with a number of specific examples mm-hmm. of where love would just you know paper over all the problems and i think what troubles me about this is i don't get this notion of love this kind of universal love from jesus like i mean like i, I get that that's what he's saying mm. but like i just don't like it doesn't make sense but you also don't have any practical steps to follow you just like <laughs> Love, it's it's an imperative, and yeah. it's such an abstract notion. Mm. I wonder what what word is used in maybe the the Greek translation for love. Well, it depends on where. What was striking to me about it is like to me the concept of love is always about choice and definition of the thing. It's like there's this there's this uh, philosophy in um, in a. Uh, Gayatri Spivak's writing where she talks about trying to treat like people with equality in a sort of communistic sense. You'd you'd have to love everyone the same, and so you'd have to like love your own children the same as you'd love um, anyone else's children. Which would mean that you know when they go into a fight in the in the in the in the playground, you wouldn't take your kid's side automatically. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know would be a, a way in which to um, build a good parenting love relationship. Mm. Um, Whereas this is like this kind of generalized universal of love, which is not about... Because this is also, the, again, Sava Zizek talks about like love being this very violent thing. It's where you go, I will hold this person, this above, this relation above all the others. And this is saying, no, all of it. But this is almost like saying none of it. Like, I, and I think that there's a wonderful, there's a wonderful like uh, impetus behind this universal love imperative, but I don't... I, I, I think maybe this is the wrong concept. Um, I read it as um, maybe like a compassion, a co- compassionate love towards mm. everyone. Um, because the moment you become impassioned mm-hmm. with somebody, you might be uh, driven to sin. So mm-hmm. when you become, yes, yeah, so when you're like super attracted to, mm-hmm. you know, your your brother's wife, which sort of happens a lot um you you should not you should have this sort of l- mm. compassion or sort of understanding yeah. of love towards everyone because if you do go there then you're in trouble yeah it's I was actually to get back to try and find out what the greek is it's in it's, it's john 15 um <laughs> 12 my friend is this love each other as i loved you greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Oh, so yeah, um, the the word that is being used, and I thought that was it. It's uh, agape, mm-hmm. agape, mm-hmm. Um, which mm-hmm. you probably know. Sort of. Could you, um, what is it? Trans- I, I'm. It's there. I think in Greek, in ancient Greek, there were these different kinds of love. There was mm-hmm. eros, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and there was it was it called philias. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. And there was the fourth or the third one, and then there was agape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is this um, essence of agape love is goodwill, benevolence, and willful delight. Okay. Faithfulness, commitment. Um, it has a um, strong moral nature and and character compared to other types of love. Okay, because this is probably what makes in English Christianity sound so bullshitty. Yeah. <laughs> is because like there's no. Yeah. <laughs> there's no distinction. No, there's Absolutely. love and love. Yeah, yeah, which is, <laughs> which is creepy. Mm. Like I don't think yeah, Jesus talking about eros would be terrifying or fun. Beards. <laughs> Spring break. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's good to clear up the distinction because yeah, so as you were saying, that the British translates to a kind of compassion, as you say. It's um, 
it's it's more more practical in that sense. Mm. What about the moment where he's talking about? I think it's in John seventeen, um, being in someone, Ooh. like the yeah. That was just sounds like eros without the eros. <laughs> <laughs> like the father is in me, and but we also have a distinction between the father and God, right? Like we have to draw that distinction. I'm 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 really confused because this this started the question: Is the father different from God, or is God the father? God is the father. God is the father. God is the father. Okay, because then you sent that diagram to us earlier. Yeah. Which has them as distinct. So God is the Father and the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, but the Father is not God. Well, the thing is that that thought, like the Trinity thought, it's not really evolved at this point. Mm. Um, it becomes a huge debate later right. with lots of different uh, types of Christian. And some say that there is a hierarchy and some mm. say that there definitely aren't. Mm. And the guys who once said that there definitely isn't a hierarchy. Right. Mm-hmm. They're all like this divine pool of like bloop, and they can go out and go in and anarcho-syndicalist um, society kind in of. and out yes. of what i wouldn't know but this but, but the, the trinity it's okay called, it's just called the trinity it, it? yeah no, just right. accept it uh, and believe it no way okay can we go back to the being in someone thing? yeah what, what was Where this again uh, i think john 17 maybe in between 12 and 20 so those were maybe I think it's 21. Um, that all of them oh, are yeah, maybe yeah. one. Father, just as you are in me and I mm-hmm. am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you are, that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I am in them, you are in me, so that they. <laughs> may be brought to the com- to complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. And this is so performative because <laughs> does he have to talk to God? Can't they communicate, like, internally? <laughs> like, yeah, different levels of your unconscious going. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, yeah, but then also, like, like, I can't be that pissed at that because this is clearly for an audience that I am not a part of. Like so, I, I me me going like, I, I I. But what does it offer the audience? It offers this sort of security, right? Like, oh, everything's gonna be one. Or what? What does it, it offer? It offers a recognizable format of, of of communication, whilst also introducing a new idea. Like, what's weird is that whole sentence basically says this communication is unnecessary because we already won. But you can't say that to people because this is a new concept. You see, you can't like go silence because we're already one because they won't get that so they have to like it has to be put in a term which makes sense which is like me pleading to a a, a higher power in this kind of dialogue dialogical format yeah it it comes up with the with with the idea of time so then mm. they will know or you know the time's not right or mm. in excuse me but why since you apparently know everything <laughs> Um, why do these things have to happen in this specific yeah, yeah. sequence? I guess you always have to form like cults around a future event. And it has to happen this way because it's been prophesied in the Old Testament, right? Mm-hmm. And he has to say that I am going to die, it's going to happen like yeah. this, and then he goes on to do it. 
Yeah, and it also bothers me that he so mentions... he can show that yeah that he is that it's very important that he dies voluntarily, mm. and that he is in command of how it happens. It happened so that the scripture would come true. Okay, so these things, everything has happened just so that the, the scripture would come true. I mean, this is, we just want to make sure that, you know, there's some continuity in this thing that we started. <laughs> Again, this is, this is yeah, writing to an audience that is not really aware of uh, text begging the question. It's but like, do the stupid disciples become the image of the reader? Like not understanding anything? Yeah, yeah. And is there ever a first reading of this text? Because it keeps on anticipating that you know everything. Like, and there's a Judas, who, the one who later betrayed him and all that. When Mary Magdalene just suddenly shows up. Mm-hmm. But everyone just suddenly shows up. Like John yeah. the Baptist just suddenly shows up and starts yeah, yeah, talking. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. It's amazing, like, um, like, the fight to get this translated into English, which, you know, resulted in people, so many people being murdered through, like, people being burnt for daring to take it from Latin. Mm-hmm. It's the idea that taking it into English made it less mystifying. Mm-hmm. It's not, it doesn't bear out. Like, like stuff just seems to be happening. And it's only with a huge um, theological project around it that you, can, that you can make sense of any of it. There's absolutely so much intertextuality. Yeah. You cannot uh, say that, oh, if I just read the Gospel of John, I'll, I'll figure this the out. There is like so much reference to the Psalms and the scriptures. And if you want to get something um, sort mm. of validated, like, oh, okay, what does this actually mean? You have to mm. go through all these other books. Yeah. Um, Which is a fascinating kind of like a uh, device of like, like, again, in, in a similar way to what, when we were talking about the vegetarian, almost like the, 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 the central figures, the central ideas of the text exist in the negative space created by the fractured accounts that surround it. Mm. Which I would like a little bit more from my divine saviour. Thank you very much. Yeah. But then, of course, you have to make that leap. That's the whole faith thing. Yeah, and believing is not about the text. It's about the actions, right? And not how it was written, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Like, if I became religious, it would, yeah, it, I, I would want a better text. But then, like, that's the thing. <laughs> but that's the thing. Is like, the text says that believing is about actions and not about the text, which excuses all the flaws in the text. Mm-hmm. But John twenty one twenty five, Jesus also did many other things. What yeah. if every one of them were written down? I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. I thought that's that is that that is um that is a very that, myopic understanding of space in the world. <laughs> it is a very cheap way out. Like, <laughs> hey, I'm running out of paper. He did all a lot of other stuff, but yeah. But then, I mean, these were the greatest things because those are the ones that have been recounted. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Okay, so yeah, so yeah, because you obviously have an editing process. Or maybe he didn't. Maybe he just had the list of things <laughs> and just started from the top and then realized, I'm running out of space. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to stop it here. And there's like a really cool thing where he fights a dragon later down the list, but it was like, it's gone. But yeah, I mean, also like, I'm just kind of like so because you've heard them so many times but you become somewhat over- underwhelmed by some of the miracles even like mm. you know it's, it's it's like some of these things are almost like cured by like giving someone clean water to drink or something it's like or like or like a, a low tide <laughs> you know it's <laughs> or, mm. or like slipping in some extra bread it just shows how how important food was in those mm. days I mean these these miracles that he performs shows that 
what was lacking in people's lives at mm. that time, which was, you know, wine, bread, and health. <laughs> and <laughs> basically, his yeah. whole branding yeah. is based yeah. on obliterating those. Yeah. And also trying to convince people that once he stopped doing that, it's fine because this doesn't matter. Mm. So what would it be today? Would it be like faster uh, Wi-Fi connection <laughs> and and what? <laughs> what would he do to have to convince you? Like I think it's like the thing I would is, want to download things a little faster. A little faster, like maybe Ooh. 150 megabytes, kind yeah. of. You know, just like a free holiday every now and then. I think my I think the problem is our conception of being now is so different. Like I think this. This is a story that makes sense if your life is characterized by meaningless suffering. Or maybe it's super ironic. Maybe this is like the biggest joke. <laughs> by authors whose name are not even on the text. Mm -hmm. We've covered one other author of such prominence previously, and that was Ayn Rand. Mm -hmm. And and her, 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 her conception of reality being radically atheistic, being radically individualist, is like, you know, it's in diametrical opposition to, to weirdly, the same audience that's currently reading this book. And this is totally fascistic, uh, mm. because you follow him or you die, or at least you don't get eternal life, which is what mm. it's all about, mm. right? Um, <laughs> that's, where the, that's where the payday comes. But yeah, maybe, I really, I hope it's for the lot, like they got together and was like, what I gotta write this, look what I write, <laughs> look what I wrote. <laughs> I was in this cave. It's insane. Having read this, you're thinking, how did this get so huge? It's think, like Justin Bieber. I mean, I think it makes perfect sense how it gets huge because it basically tells you that your suffering is fine mm. and also not forever. I think, I think the problem is that it's not meant to be read as a text. It's meant to be read as the shreds of evidence we need to prove a point. Um... Joe, you had an interesting theory about the influence of this text, which goes way beyond like our standard kind of story structures. And I think maybe before we wrap this all up, uh, should we... Yeah, I mean, it's quite obvious um, from the Greek text that Tao Lin is very influenced by the New Testament. Also. Um, from the Greek text, there are all these repetitions and like it's way more deadpan. Um, for example, in, um, <laughs> in, in, in the Gospel of John, every time someone says something, it says, he answered and said... And it's every time. <laughs> and it's there a lot of times. And now, because I'm spaced out on painkillers because I have the flu, I forget what it is in Mark, but I'm going to find it for you. Uh, oh, yeah, every sentence in Mark begins with immediately thereafter or and then. 99% yeah. <laughs> of all the sentences in Mark yeah. begins that way. And I mean, reading Tao Lin, um, Richard Yates, where like the same literary movement is made. But yeah, I think it's quite, it's very obvious that Tao Lin has read this. Thanks for that uh, atypical interpretation of uh, scripture. No problem. <laughs> I'm going to take a final round here. Um, I have like... not studied this for nothing for four years. <laughs> I wait to see your your newest reviews of uh, of Tao Lin, where his newest work, or you will compare it to <laughs> exclusively to to works of of ancient Greek. Mm -hmm. I want to take a little round now and um, say, uh, Ilinka, would would you would you recommend this book? Oh God, gee, what? No, I, uh, yeah, I guess. 
because it's important that people become acquainted with the. Yeah, especially when people keep talking about the foundations of Judeo-Christian culture, you have to probably go like, "What? It's a crazy story about seed." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm. I'm. And boats, so many boats. <laughs> didn't you like? Didn't you want like? Didn't it strike you as odd that they were going boating all the time? I would have Mark? liked to have like a map of like where they're mm. going from yeah, and kind of Tolkien sort of. Yeah. Oh, I should have brought that. I'm sorry. Like where they're <laughs> going and like okay, because all of a sudden you're like oh, and then they're there. Mm. Like how how did you get there? Uh, I, okay, so coming back to the question. I'm not sure what to say to that. And in one aspect, yes, I would say read it because it's it's enlightening. Um, mm. But in in another sense, like don't bother. You, you get it elsewhere. Yeah. Just don't get this information anywhere <laughs> <laughs> if you can. Gio, how about you? Would you would you recommend this? Well, I recommended it to you guys, so I have recommended it. I think I'm gonna keep on pushing it to people. Um, <laughs> But, I mean, maybe not, like, the first one I'm going to suggest people read when they ask. <laughs> I think might be a learner first or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe Chris Krause or, yeah, what, Eileen Miles. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Collecting souls that way. And then, boom, <laughs> the fifth time they ask. Oh, you like that book? Go, Try yeah. this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I definitely would recommend it because, like, so many of the assumptions that we... Like, it's interesting to read the text where so many things that we kind of assume are, like, basic basic morality, which we want to try and question, like, to, to read a text where they are being asserted in a kind of first time um, is, is, is interesting. Um, to, like, to, to see how you have to make the case out of nothing is... It's, yeah, as you say, enlightening. Um, I guess also the reason for... The entire subject that you study, Gio. Mm-hmm. I so. think it's really cool that you can read it online. Just putting it out there. This is not a little old book that I was flipping through. This was Um. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, and join us again next month where we'll be discussing Chris Krause's follow-up to her delayed sensation "I Love Dick," Aliens and Anorexia. Yes. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.